There are no two-person relationships. God is always in the equation. Welcome to Right Start with Jim Custer, teaching pastor of Grace Polaris Church in Columbus, Ohio. We've been recalibrating our minds to what we read in Colossians chapter 3. The view of human relationships we find there is so different from the world's view because the world is missing God. We can serve another person and ultimately serve Jesus or sin against another person to one day find that we've offended the judge of heaven. Here's Jim to conclude his sermon, The People of God Are Disciplined. What Paul's saying is that people are strategically and spiritually important whatever role they come in, whatever relationship they may have, they have dignity, they have value, they have worth because they are experiencing God's life, and in this case, they're experiencing God's redemption. For you see, this passage is not written to the neighbor who does not know God. This quality of life, this way of living, won't be found absent the redemptive grace of God. This this expectation, this ideal, is for the people of God, the people of God who have a relationship with God, who are experiencing the peace of God, who have been born into the family of God, who honor the word of God and have it settled in their hearts. These are people who are distinct and different. And in their relationships, sanctity of life rules. Those who are disadvantaged will not always be disadvantaged. There is a day coming when that disadvantage will be removed from them forever. Those who are children will not remain children long. They will grow up and soon they will be the ones who will be parenting you, caring for your needs, making vital decisions that affect your comfort, your choices, and your quality of life. A wife is not a wife forever. She is only a wife during this part of her life here. Death could very easily make her a widow. And husband, you're not a husband forever. The angels in heaven do not marry your given marriage, and this relationship that's so vital and important on earth will pass when we come into the presence of God, when we are resurrected, when we live forever with him. So the apostle wants us to understand that the roles that we play and the disadvantages that we experience and the sometimes difficult things that happen to us in this life do not take from us, do not rob us, do not destroy the sanctity of life. I am to respect my wife and to love her, to do all I can to minister to her, to help her, to assist her, to become the very best person she can be. I am not to abuse the privilege of fatherly authority 
I'm to temper my responses to my children. I'm to discipline them graciously, kindly, firmly, yes, where necessary, but tenderly. And I will answer to God for how I treat my wife and how I discipline my children. If I abuse the authority in that position, God will measure judgment to me. The point of the whole passage, as Paul is teaching, is that God is concerned about our most domestic and most human relationships, and he wants us to see that he values every life in whatever form that life may now be. That those forms, those stations, those positions, and those relationships are temporary. And that the responsibilities and advantages that those positions give to some are balanced by the weight of value God places on those who are disadvantaged. Some of the finest commentators on this passage have suggested that in here, in this passage, where Paul talks about the slaves and the masters, and in the companion epistle, the epistle to the Ephesians, which was written at the same time and sent to these two churches that were close enough that Paul tells them to read these letters reciprocally in both churches, that his emphasis here may be in part because of Onesimus. He is sending Onesimus back with this letter. Onesimus, you remember, was a slave. And according to Philemon, he was a slave that had done some bad things in his relationship with his master. He had sought to escape punishment and had raced off to Rome, and there, in prison in Rome, apparently, he ran into Paul. And there, in that Roman prison, Onesimus, a slave, became a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul writes the letter to Philemon and sends Onesimus back with this letter to the church at Colossae, saying, now, it's your responsibility, Philemon, to receive Onesimus as a slave who is your brother. And you are to treat him, even though he is a slave, as you would treat me. Paul was not trying to upset the social schedules. Paul was rather trumping the social cruelties with a higher law. Philemon, Onesimus is your brother. And when the two of you come to church, you both sit on the same pew equal. You in the church, in the body of Christ, have a relationship where slave and master doesn't matter. Where color of skin doesn't matter. Where age and sex doesn't matter that when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ and are part of his body, we're called to a relationship with each other that offsets and modifies every other relationship we have. 
even slave and master. In all of these, Paul keeps reminding us that our first responsibility is in the fear of God to serve the Lord Christ. That is to seek in all that we do and in all of our relationships to honor God's work, God's value in the life of that other person, whether the other person is husband or wife or children or parents or slave or masters or boss or whatever, whatever those other arrangements may be, within those arrangements, there is to be respect, value, integrity, and the motivation for all that I do is not to just please my wife, but it's to honor God. It's not just to raise good kids, but it's to help my children discover God's purpose in their life that they will honor him. In all that you do, Paul says, do it hardly as to the Lord. And my expectation is that God is going to reward my services. You know, when the prodigal son was out in the field with the swine, and he'd spent everything, and he was at the end of his rope, the scripture tells us that he pondered how he would speak to his father. And here's what he said. I'm going back home to my father, and I'm going to say to my father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. Now think about that. I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no more worthy to be your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. See, the strength of that young man's conversion was that he recognized that foremost his sin was against heaven, against God, and secondarily against his dad. It's like David wrote in the Psalms when he was, when he was confessing to God and he said, against thee, talking to God, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Well, David's actions had caused hurt, harm to lots of people. But David had it right. Sin, no matter how it's expressed, and upon whom and with whom it has pain and hurt, sin is always against God. Always. He is the one who is primarily offended. Why? Because God is the author of our life. God is the one who gives us life. God is the one who calls us to these behavioral standards. And when we violate those standards and break those laws, we violate God. You may be in the way when I do that, and you may experience harm and fallout, but that's secondary. Sanctity of life is recognizing that all life comes from God and that I will answer to God for violating it. That also gives great release to Philemon and to people who are, are abused by the sins of others. Parents 
who sin against their children, children who sin against their parents, husbands who sin against their wives and masters and slaves and all of that. The pain is lessened and the smoke clears when I realize that the primary one offended in the sin that caused me pain is God. And I don't have to get even. I don't have to demand justice. God will take care of that. So I am free to forgive as I have been forgiven. I don't have to hold crutches. I don't have to become bitter against my wife. Abused child, you don't have to remain disheartened, discouraged. You don't have to continue to carry those resentments and those angers and those hostilities and those desires to get revenge. You can release all of that because any sin that's done in any relationship is primarily a moral sin against God. And God says in this passage, you take care of that. Whatever wrong is done, he says, he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done. God signs that bill. Marvelous passage. Passage I hope you'll ponder. So when you go to the restaurant today and the waitress or waiter comes, don't think of them as lower than you are. Don't think of that task as being less significant than whatever you do in your work. When you see a child, don't misunderstand that child's innocence or that child's naivete and thereby in your mind discredit or diminish them. Don't look down on the opportunity to serve in the nursery or to sit and read a book with a child or to drop down to one knee and smile and encourage a little one. They are real people. They have infinite value. They have a heavenly father who is, who is making it his concern that that child be protected, provided for, and taught. That's sanctity of life. It goes far beyond the womb. It touches every living person. And it says no matter what the condition of life may be, and no matter what the position that person may have in the social pecking order, no matter how that person is disabled, God values that life. And God calls of those of us who are his children, God calls upon us to value those lives with respect and to serve them from the heart as unto God, not expecting a response from the wife, the husband, the children, the parents, the boss, the subordinate 
That's not where your pay comes from. That's not where your reward comes from. Sanctity of life says that all human life derives infinite value because that person is made in the image of God and bears his likeness, and that when I treat that person with respect, when I treat them with kindness, when I treat them with love, my Heavenly Father notes and will reward. Our Heavenly Father, thank you this morning for this most personal and dynamic passage of your word. It reminds us that we are, we are not, we're not free when we leave the church to behave like heathen. That in all of our relationships and responsibilities, whatever we do and say, with whomever we engage, whatever demands are put upon us by the needs of those around us, all of this is sacred stuff. And our relationships in our home are as sacred as any relationship in the church. And that as we go out from our relationships into the community around us, we should leave behind us the distinct fragrance. We should leave the distinct impression that we value human life in every form and in all forms, in every position, in all duties, that we understand that every act and every thought, every word, every deed is sacred, is evaluated by you, and will bring an appropriate reward. Oh Lord, may others know we are Christians by the way we value and love and support by the way we care for and encourage and provide for each other in the family of God. And may we look out then at others who do not know you yet and not only reflect for them a pattern of honorable conduct and sacrificial loving service, but may we communicate to them in every way we can that they too have infinite value and that the Father who gave them life and gives them value longs to give them grace and forgiveness and peace of mind and a place at his table in his family and a home in his house forever. What a marvelous difference grace makes, Father, in the way we view others and the way we live our lives. And I pray that we would uh, take serious note of what we say and how we value 
those around us. Should there be one here this morning who has never experienced your love and grace through the experience of being forgiven of their sins and made a part of the family of God, I pray that you would tug at their hearts and draw them to trust you. And I pray that we would make large space for them, a warm space, an inviting space within this family of believers. May they know that they are among the people of God as they sense that we are sensitive to what God desires we reverence and fear him. We seek to serve him. And we seek to discipline ourselves to those behaviors that give him pleasure. Lord Jesus, remind us every day that in every contact we have with other humans, you are vitally concerned and that our responses are not private and personal and secret, but they are known to you and will be rewarded. Give us the grace we need to love our wives and not be bitter against them. To submit to the leadership of our husbands as is appropriate to the Lord. To see in our children the gifts of God's grace and to lovingly train them and not be harsh and cynical and absent from their needs, to care for those who are slaves as though we ourselves are slaves, and to respond to those who have authority over us as, as to you, knowing that you have authority over them. Oh, Lord, may our neighbors and friends find us disciplined because of the sanctity, the value of human life in all of its forms, in all of its needs, in all of its roles. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It makes a difference whether you see the person sitting next to you as an accident, without purpose or worth, or as a reflection of the image of God. At any given moment, we may have a chance to show that we appreciate the eternal value of a soul, any soul. This is another hallmark of the people of God. As Jim says, the people of God are disciplined. If you'd like to have the entire message on CD, we'll send it to you for a gift of $7 or more. For your offering of $59 or more, we'll send you all 17 installments in our Colossians series called The People of God. If Right Start has been a channel of God's grace to you, would you help ensure that others can drink from this stream? I mean by supporting us in prayer and with your finances. All of us, including me, heard the message today because some ordinary folks decided to pitch in. We're grateful. There are three ways to contact us. First, mail us at Right Start, P.O. Box 437, Worthington, Ohio, 43085 USA. Second, call us at 1-800-984-2313. That's 
1-800-273-2313. And third, visit rightstartradio.org. You can review today's broadcast or travel back in time to hear past shows. You can also play or download the complete messages. To get the daily podcast, just click the On iTunes link to subscribe. You can donate online, too, at rightstartradio.org. rightstartradio.org. Thanks for listening. I'm Dan Pope. No one that loves God can hate people. That's just not how it works. Jim will have one more nugget for us on this theme tomorrow. Please join us on Wednesday for the next Right Start. Right Start.